0: Welcome to Game Talk Radio, your hosts Greg and Jen, bringing you their take on this week's hottest gaming news. Wow, thank you Steve for that amazing intro, that was great, that's that's dead Steve, That's we have a voiceover guy now.
1: A voiceover guy, we're, we're, a voiceover le- guy. we're legit now.
0: We, we're going to make so much money doing this now that we have a voiceover guy.
1: Mad bang.
0: Oh my goodness, we're going to retire. Uh, so, well, welcome everybody to Game Talk Radio, episode two. Episode two. Episode one had s- it was so successful. Super. Uh, I got invited to the, a red carpet affair in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so many things. I can't even tell you how much my life's changed in the five days since we recorded episode one.
1: lot. Yeah, you're, so you're a different much. person now.
0: So much. Like the fame's gone to my head quite a bit.
1: It's really. I have to rein them in all the time.
0: Yeah. It's. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. <laughs> much like our first story. Again.
1: Yes, our first story. Well, you know, I'm doing good. You're doing good. We hope everybody who's listening is doing good. Who's not doing good is the creators of a N64 emulator on the Xbox Store.
0: Oh, yep, yep.
1: Uh, It emerged this week and uh, was promptly taken down.
0: (laughs) It was funny. uh, Like, we had first noted that we were going to talk about Mm -hmm. the emulator showing up. And then later in the week, we're checking our topics. and Oh, there it is. Oh, it's gone.
1: And that's what I had said, too, when, when Greg had said, oh, hey, there's an N64 emulator on the Xbox Store. We got to talk about that. And I looked at him and I said, it's probably not going to be there by Friday. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, it, it's, it's interesting because technically, the emulator is not illegal. The emulator is actually, there's nothing wrong with that software. It, it's everything you do with it is wrong <laughs> but technically it's the roms that you would illegally download which are the copies of the games which are illegal so i find it interesting that you know microsoft basically said it was in it violated policy which mm-hmm. is why they took it down so that's interesting um i'd like to see that policy i don't know if you know if microsoft updated that or not I know, obviously, Nintendo will most likely have something to say about it, but I found that interesting, that that technically there's nothing illegal about the emulator. What I also find interesting is that whoever made that app was selling it, and I wonder how many downloads they got before it got pulled, and I wonder if Microsoft just refunded all that money after it got pulled, or if it, one, if Microsoft keeps the money, or two, if they send whatever money it made to the developer of that emulator. Because a lot of emulators are actually open source, so that's... You know, a lot of people worked on them, so if one guy took a lot of work from other people and he's going to make some money off it, that feels a little out of bounds.
1: Well, an article by GameSpot actually said that people who installed it can reportedly continue to use it.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: I don't know. I'm a little conflicted. Actually, when I read this article, I looked at Nintendo's policies about Nintendo emulators and Nintendo ROMs, and they so, have an entire FAQ devoted to it.
0: Really? So they okay, I see that. This I did not know going into this. So they actually mm-hmm. have this on their website. They have yes. Oh, huh, great! Let's hear this.
1: Well, one of the the things that I thought was really interesting was that they actually have a, a frequently asked question that says, "What does Nintendo think of the argument that emulators are actually good for Nintendo?" Because it promotes the Nintendo brand to PC users, leads to more sales. Well, they've thought of an answer, and I think it's quite a good one. So let me hear what you think. Okay. Distribution of an emulator developed to play illegal copied Nintendo software hurts Nintendo's goodwill. The millions of dollars invested in research and development and marketing by Nintendo and its licensees. Substantial damages are caused to Nintendo and its licensees. It's irrelevant whether or not someone profits from the distribution of an emulator. The emulator promotes the play of illegal ROMs, not authentic games. Thus, not only does it not lead to more sales, it has the opposite effect and purpose.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: I agree with that. I do not like emulators.
0: I... Okay, so I really like emulators as a form of entertainment. Like, I think they're really neat to put, like, every game, have every game at the touch of your fingertips. I mean, we can get into later about how I think it actually ruins the experience of playing games when you have too much software too quickly at your fingertips. I think you lose some of the patience you would normally have if you only had one game to play. You'd kind of power through things. But we'll get, you know, I don't want to talk about that now. That's, I still think they're missing the point, though. Because, obviously, it depends what emulators we're talking about. Like, if a Wii U emulator comes out, well, that's a bad example because they're not supporting the Wii U anymore. So let's let's say something like an emulator comes out for whatever system is their hottest thing. Let's say a 3DS emulator. They get lots of 3DS system sales. That's their biggest seller. So let's say someone makes a 3DS emulator and all the games are easily downloadable. That could totally put a dent in their sales. So I, I get that. Like, they have to protect their brand and they have to protect their profits. So that makes sense. However, if they're talking about an emulator for the NES or Super Nintendo... You can make an argument that they sell their games on the Virtual Console, but I'm often reminded of what Apple kind of said when it came to their iTunes store and how they went out of their way to make the user experience so easy people don't want to pirate because it's easier to buy them legitimately. So it's the same thing with with Valve and Steam. They made the user experience so easy and so friendly that people. I mean, people still pirate music. People are going to always download emulators and people are always going to steal stuff. If it's, if it's free because there's a lot of people that don't have money to buy these things. But that's interesting because the, if they made their experience, like if they had every game available and they were available at a decent price and they were easy to access and, and play, people would buy that. In fact, a lot of people do. A lot of people buy stuff on the virtual console. And I have an, I have an issue with them saying it hurts their brand when someone might play the original Metroid on an emulator and say, wow, what a great game, and then they decide to buy the newest Metroid that's going to come out. Another bad example, because Nintendo doesn't care about the Metroid franchise either, but, you know, it, so that's interesting that, that they're very, you know, I guess the, the excuse, it feels like they're blaming their some of their bad decisions on emulators and on ROMs when they could embrace that, which is kind of what they're doing this holiday by releasing the Nintendo Mini. They're They're embracing the emulation scene, except... They're once again locking it down and doing it their way, where it only comes with thirty preloaded games and you can never add more games later. So they like the idea of digital access games, but they're once again putting roadblocks up that I think then people go, "Well, why would I buy that when I could just have a thousand games at my fingertips for free?" You know what I mean?
1: Well, I I just you know I'm I'm on Nintendo's side in this because emulators. Are promoting piracy. Plain and simple, the it's it's like asking Nintendo why it doesn't l- legitimize piracy. It just doesn't make any business sense, and it's illegal. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's, it's somebody's intellectual property that you didn't buy.
0: Yeah, that's true, and I mean, and I agree with that. And they they have a right to make profit on their own stuff. I just think it's pretty obscene to, if they don't offer it in a way to be purchased, then how can they be upset at us when we obtain it through other means?
1: That's a good point. If they don't have every game available for purchase on a a virtual site, then you are kind of asking for it. But from what I understand, a lot of the games are actually available.
0: A, A lot are. And... I actually have said this before, and and this might get some flack, but I say that the Nintendo Virtual Console is the greatest idea that Nintendo never fully realized. So that was like, on paper, the Virtual Console was the greatest thing ever. I remember like every week, I would hook my Wii, you know, I would go online with my Wii and look at what the new downloadable games were for the... For the, and this is somebody who loves emulators and, and downloads a lot of ROMs just for simplicity's sake, like when I want to stream something on my computer, instead of trying to hook up my NES to my capture card, it's like, we'll just get an emulator for the simplicity's sake. And I was buying those games, and I was paying, you know, 5 or $6 for Nintendo games, $10 for Super or whatever it was, and I was fine with that. However not every game was available and they would only release like one or two new games like every other week. And I remember thinking, man, you could have a library, like what's taking them so long. Like mm-hmm. they didn't look at it like it was really important to them. It was a side thought, make some revenue on the side, but really the importance is the the physical media games. And so it was a great idea that was never fully realized. And they keep making improvements to it. Now, you know, it's been 10 years since the, Wii came out, um, so they keep making, uh, you know, improving it and adding more stuff to it. But it's not as good as it could be. And if they released everything they had access to, man, that would just kill. Especially could, on like,
1: like have a bundle oh, of yeah. NES games and buy all the NES games for, I don't know, whatever price they, they set on it. It makes sense totally. for them to sanction it. The one that was in the Xbox store obviously was not sanctioned by Nintendo or any of Nintendo's subsidiaries, so that was really the reasoning for the article. And um, Microsoft pulled the app, and...
0: Rightfully so, I think, too. I don't think anyone should ever sell an emulator. Uh, I thought it was neat that the app would run and could load ROMs off the USB drive. Uh, that's how it works. Right? So you put your USB drive in the Xbox One with ROMs on it and it would load them off the USB. That almost tells me that maybe some people have learned how to access the USB drives and I wonder how close things like hacking the Xbox One you know, or getting custom firmware on the Xbox One is possible at this point with stuff like that because they seem to have access to things that you normally wouldn't mm-hmm. think they could do. I could be totally wrong on that. I don't know how the workings go. And, and again, I think rightfully so. That was pulled down. You should never get charged for an emulator and... Quite frankly, N64 emulators typically do not work very well, especially when they're when they're on consoles, um, modded consoles and such. Like PC, you can get them running pretty well, but typically they don't perform well. And so someone's going to buy those and pay real money for that and be really disappointed with the results. <laughs> so I guess maybe and maybe that's maybe that's justice for them. <laughs> like they <Yeah. laughs> they spent money on something to illegal play sixty four games and they get burned by it. And they're going to be like, no. oh, dang you Nintendo. Uh, but yeah you know it makes sense it was pulled down you
1: can't curse nintendo because nintendo didn't do it
0: well what's interesting about that too exactly and that's not nintendo's fault and i'll never give them a hard time for protecting their brand i'll only give them a hard time when they don't do the same thing better (laughs) because they have all the resources to do that better than they were and and this is an interesting story because a week ago they had someone had announced or was a week or two ago that there was an nes emulator on the Xbox store, and it had been pulled down from the Microsoft, uh, like, or it had been pulled down from the Xbox store, but it was on the Microsoft store, like on PCs, and it was still on there, and I think it got reinstated or something. It was really weird, like that was still going. Uh, so I don't know what the difference is between those, or if even the same person uploaded them, but uh, very intriguing that someone tried to sell. I think really it was a cash grab. Whoever put that oh, up there, sure. yeah. Whoever put that up there quick knew it buck. would get taken down. And if like, hey, if we can maybe get a month worth of sales on this, we can make some quick money. But I, I don't know how that works with Microsoft's payout system. They may not. They may hold all the payments. You need to refund them to customers or just keep it because Knowing. that's because it's Microsoft. They Knowing might just Microsoft, they, they might could. just keep it. Like,
1: uh, <clears throat> no, sorry, you violated our code of conduct. So
0: <laughs> they'll oh. somehow figure out a way to blame it on the consumer and be like, well, you know, technically, you broke our user agreement by downloading something in our store but you should have known better <laughs> so really you're welcome but this is our money <laughs> so
1: yeah, so yeah that. okay yeah.
0: speaking of old nintendo games old
1: nintendo games castlevania turned 30 years old this week
0: it, it released in japan 30 years 30 ago, years ago. Jen, 30 years ago Wow, we are old
1: <laughs> well i mean I, mean, I only played Belmont's Revenge on the Game Boy, so. Oh, wow.
0: Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, so, okay, so, well, excellent. Well, okay, so, obviously, Castlevania, one of the biggest franchises in video games. Oh,
1: huge for Konami.
0: It, it was easily one of Konami's biggest moneymakers coming up, uh, alongside greats like Contra, Silent Hill, eventually, on PS1, and then, obviously, Metal Gear, stuff like that. So, this is a big deal for them.
1: Totally. This is a big deal. You would think so. 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary. So what
0: What do we do for yeah. a 30th anniversary, 30th uh, birthday celebration? What would you do for your 30th birthday?
1: My 30th birthday, I had a Big Lebowski-themed birthday party. Okay, that's pretty awesome. We went bowling. There was a cake that looked like a rug. <laughs> we drank white Russians and yeah. watched the movie. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, that sounds like a great way to spend yeah,
1: your, your 30th. Yeah, your 30th.
0: Okay, so how does... Konami spend the 30th anniversary of Castlevania?
1: As far as I know it was one tweet by <laughs> Konami UK.
0: <laughs> and they tweet out happy 20th birthday to the Nintendo 64 today so they're giving a little bit of props to 64. Remember any of these N64 Konami titles? And then hashtag, #or uh asterisk, 30 years ago today Castlevania launched in Japan. So a classic. it's It's a side note to it, them.
1: It really was.
0: So first of all, they're saying, hey, happy birthday, N64. You're 20 years old, you you spry young thing. <laughs> Good job. Oh, also, you know that game we made that made us a whole bunch of money? Oh, it turned 30 today.
1: Whatever.
0: <laughs> what? No,
1: yeah. It... And, it,
0: and it was UK, so that's Konami UK.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Konami Japan doesn't say anything. With
1: nary a care. <laughs>
0: Konami in the U.S. doesn't say anything. Nothing at just all. Just one. That's yeah. so...
1: It's oh, really kind of sad. It's kind of like inviting everybody to your birthday party and then nobody shows up yeah. except that one kid you didn't really <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> that never happened to me. Oh. Yeah. I never got birthdays.
1: Oh. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Actually, I actually had great birthdays. We, uh, we had squirt guns that we would shoot. Like I actually got this present one time. It, it was on. It was a chess piece. And when it got hit, there was, like, a button that would buzz. So you shot water guns at it, and if you hit nice. the button with the water gun, it would buzz. So it was, like, this, like, tactical vest thing. It was pretty sweet.
1: But electricity and water? I mean...
0: And batteries, you know. Well, juice. Battery juice. Batteries <laughs> have juice in them. It's, like, water and stuff. Whatever. It's science. It's okay. Science. If, you don't, if you don't get it, it's okay. It's science, babe. <laughs> um, so uh, so they just don't do anything. They don't care.
1: No. And what, it's, it's really sad.
0: Which, okay. I mean, now... Really, the story is really the question to ask everybody is Greg, are you surprised? And my answer is, of course not. Like, Konami has just, just does not care about their franchises right now. So, obviously, everyone's like, oh, Metal Gear, they fired Kojima and, and they canceled Silent Hills, which was probably gonna be awesome. And I'm never gonna delete the PT demo off my PS4 because it's so awesome. But, you forget about all these other great franchises they have. So Contra. Gone. Silent Hill not doing anything with Castlevania not doing anything with Sukiden, not doing anything with that Suikoden Suikoden some people call it whatever, whatever you want to pronounce it. Um, just nothing. And and they've got Konami. Okay, so a lot of people don't know this. I actually just told you this the other night when we were talking about this. But so like a lot of people don't know this. So Nintendo, the original Nintendo. Um, when the original Nintendo Entertainment System came out, Nintendo had a rule that you could only release so many games a year. They came up with this policy because Atari was basically just dumping hundreds of games into the market with no care whatsoever. So n- because of that, Nintendo's like, look, Atari basically destroyed the video game market, and we have to rebuild it, but we have to be very careful. If we're going to make this market popular, we have to do things differently. We have the Nintendo Seal of Quality, and we have all these other things. So one of the things they did was you could only release so many games a year. So then some companies like Konami's like, well that's stupid. We have a bunch of great games. So Konami comes up with a sub company essentially or a, another brand of company to release games under in the U.S. and it's called Ultra. So if you ever saw a game like Metal Gear was technically an Ultra games, and then Snake's Revenge was Ultra games, Laser Invasion I think is Ultra games, Jackal is Ultra games. So. It's Konami, right? So they have all these great games. They they had so many good games. They had to have a second company release. <laughs> Not even Capcom did that. You know, Capcom had a bunch of awesome games for the Nintendo, and they didn't do that at the time. Um, you know, so it re- really interesting stuff that they have all these amazing franchises, and they're, obviously we know their current direction is that they want to go towards mobile, and so that's what they're going to do. But how can you just have these franchises just sitting here and not doing anything with them. I just, I, I'm actually like, I am surprised by that. Like, I'm not surprised that they didn't care about Castlevania because I don't care about anything. Like, I know that, but I don't understand like where their heads at business wise with that.
1: They're kind of being emo about it. <laughs> well, when you think about it, I read an article on Eurogamer.net that they talked to an ex-Konami producer, David Cox, who helped get the Castlevania Lords of Shadow series made. Okay. And that feeling was way back in 2008, that they were done with Castlevania. They yeah. were shelving it forever.
0: Well, and, and to be fair, though, they made some subpar 3D Castlevania games for quite a long stretch in there. So I could see that. Like, their their best games were for the Game Boy Advance and the DS. And then since Symphony of the Night, those were their best ones. And the PS2 ones, while they weren't bad games, but they weren't great either uh in the 64 one so it was it was an up and down series like i'm not gonna say all the games were great but you know they had they hit their stride um i guess you could argue maybe once like koji igarashi left um konami that you know once he was no longer working on the castlevania games i guess because he was with the company i think still but i think they pulled him off because they weren't making castlevania games anymore you know then they kind of took a very different turn and then maybe they weren't as successful so then he was like well you know or they they shelved it because it wasn't as successful
1: But there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. You mentioned Igarashi. He actually went on to Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and is going to be releasing a a new Castlevania game in the beginning, first half of 2018.
0: Yeah, so I actually Kickstarted that.
1: $5.5 million!
0: Yeah, uh, well, I'm 300 of that. Yay! Yeah, I kick up for 300 for a physical collector's edition, soundtracks, yeah. like the whole nine. Mm-hmm. I think that game's going to be really good. Uh, he's getting back to his roots. Uh, the best games he's ever made are that style. Um, Feeding so, yeah. on
1: that nostalgia engine. Yeah,
0: I mean, why not? You know, indie games, that's kind of the best part about the indie movement we've had over the last five to ten years, is that... We're, because they don't have all the money to do these fancy graphics and stuff, they're going back to what they had in the beginning of video games, which is a studio where they didn't have a bunch of fancy graphics. They had, you know, a, a pixel artist, and then they had a bunch of guys designing a game. Like, like you look at um, Shigeru Miyamoto's original original notes for, like, how he created Zelda dungeons and how he created Mario levels. He did on, like, graph paper. You know, that's just how it was done. And then he designed the game first, and then they made the aesthetics later. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of dig that, and and so I think that game's really good. I Kickstarter, I have a lot of faith for it. It's gonna, it got mega delayed. It won't be out till like twenty eighteen, I think, or something. Yeah, the
1: first half of twenty. <laughs> at least according to the Euro Gamer Gamer article,
0: it just it just recently got announced. It was delayed, but I guess with Kickstarter, I just kind of back stuff. They take my money and I forget about it.
1: Shut up and take my money. Like there's
0: there's a River City Ransom Underground coming out, which is like a a four player River City Ransom that looks just amazing by these Canadian guys. And they aren't even talking about it anymore. (laughs) Like, they just, like, they've been, like, silent since June about when it's coming out. It was supposed to be out in June. So, they could take my money for all I know and never give me (laughs) a product. But, uh, so that's still coming. Uh, That's gonna be really cool, so.
1: But that's, uh, that's a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel. Everybody forgot Castlevania's birthday, it seems. At least at Konami. Everybody except Konami UK. Um, but.
0: so sad to me. It's not surprising. It's
1: sad. It's sad because, as you mentioned before, it's almost like they forgot their roots. What made them the company and the business that they are today was Castlevania as a foundational aspect.
0: It, it goes to a, a larger point, too, about the, uh, the... It's like the fall of the great companies that we grew up playing the games. So I would argue that Square Enix has been doing subpar games for quite a while. Um, Final Fantasy XV looks good. And obviously, Kingdom Hearts 3 looks good. I want to play the Final Fantasy 7 uh, remake. But, I mean, realistically, they're putting out a lot of games have been very subpar. Konami has completely lost it. Capcom you know, they had to come back and be like, eh, sorry, you know, we are we know we didn't do great. Sega's coming out with things like, oh, we shouldn't, you know, we gotta take our franchise more seriously and not just let anybody make a game for it, you know, talking about their Sonic games. And it's crazy to look at all like the, oh, how the mighty have fallen, well, as they say.
1: I was actually looking into some of the older directors and producers of some of the games that I've played in the past, specifically Nintendo Entertainment System. And a lot of those guys are older they're retired they're in different sort of management positions they're not actually actively directing anything yep and it's now staffed with people who grew up playing these games and didn't really understand how they came about and how the video game industry was built because they've always had it
0: yeah I think that's a good point. A lot of the great a lot of the people that made the great games at those companies either aren't there anymore or they're not in design positions. Right. They're in supervisory roles or they're on the board or stuff like that. That makes sense and you know, how did they not continue on that culture of excellence, I guess, which is really surprising for, me for Japanese companies because they're supposed to be known for that sort of thing. So that's so disappointing. In Castlevania, I the castlevania games especially symphony symphony of the night is in my top five of all-time favorite games and if i had to pick one which is impossible but if i had to pick one as my favorite game of all time it would be that game it's the only um, game i've ever played and every time i play it it's as magical as the first time i played it every, t- every time every time i crank I it every time i play it it's like wow the music's great the gameplay is so tight Everything about this game is great. There's still a few secrets and little things you can find, or, you know, random drop of items, so every game is technically different. It's so great, and, and man, to, to watch that, just no one care about that anymore? Jeez, I don't know. Hmm. Eh, I don't know.
1: What a downer.
0: So, <laughs> what a great transition into our main story of the night. <laughs>
1: our main story. Um,
0: getting into developers who just don't care.
1: Oh, well. Maybe that's, that's a little harsh. That's one person's opinion, <laughs> and his name is Greg. No Man's Sky, made by Hello Games, mm-hmm. is being investigated in the UK for what else other than false advertising? All right. I did a little research and there's actually, there there's an organization in the UA, UK with Hello Games being a UK-based company. It's called the Advertising Standards Authority, UK's independent regulator for advertising across media. okay so there's a way for th- they cover all sorts of different um, marketing ads so magazines, radio, television, internet, banner ads, sponsored events, things of that nature and you can complain about it to these to these authorities and they will take those complaints. And either determine if they can help or they can't help. Well, okay. it seems like after doing their initial research on their own regulations, that those regulations have been potentially violated.
0: Okay. So, my understanding is that they're not a regulatory agency, so they can't really do anything about it. So, like, if they find things to be wrong, it's not like they can shut them down but they have the authority to push forward that they have to make changes. And apparently the changes include you will take you have to change the incorrect advertising and it can never be put back up. So say they said something in No Man's Sky like they did about how there's big monsters and multiplayer battles or like large scale battles and huge creatures and they find that to be false, they have to remove that. They can't ever put that back up even if they put it in the game eventually. That was my understanding well, when I was looking at
1: that. But here is the difficulty with No Man's Sky. I looked into Hello Games. I, I watched interviews. I, I looked into what their game mechanic was for No Man's Sky.
0: Mm-hmm. And you watched me play it.
1: I watched you play it. But one thing that stuck out, the algorithm that they used to create this universe... 15 quintillion planets okay
0: it's about 14.99 quintillion too many i think to just make a really good game but anyway but that's
1: that's (laughs) that's i think where it's going to be really difficult to prove that they didn't advertise okay what they're talking about what what I didn't know going into this before before I read this article, I thought the people who made No Man's Sky was a company like Atari or like Konami and, and had hundreds of developers. Do you know how many people work at Hello Games?
0: I wanna say like twenty. Sixteen. Sixteen, okay. I knew it was small. I knew it was a small team. Sixteen
1: people built this game and built the engine mm-hmm. to develop it. And they created essentially a universe that created itself okay random based on algorithm algorithms and math and is not something that they had any control over quite honestly
0: sure well i've heard sean murray talk about that and i think even if there's a possibility for these things to happen then they shouldn't use them as advertising points because if they're not a high percentage chance of happening, like if there's a point oh oh one percent chance that you're going to get a planet with sandworms, then you shouldn't be talking in interviews being like, yeah, man, there's sandworms, dude. Because but they, there are. But there are. So so you're, you're okay with them getting by in a technicality, essentially. It's this.
1: not a technicality when there's 15 quintillion planets.
0: So out of the hundreds of thousands of sales they get, and no one saw one, but because it's possible that it could show up someday... You're cool with that,
1: but I didn't buy the game because okay, I thought it was so boring. <laughs> well, right.
0: well, it is boring.
1: Um. No, I, no, I don't. I say that lightly, but I, I didn't think it looked boring. I, I thought it looked like exactly what they advertised. It, it's random assortment of planets with random assortment of creatures and flora and fauna, and which is the same as creatures. But that's not the point. I, I just, I think they're going to have a hard time showing how their gameplay trailers or promises that they made are inaccurate because they can prove we have the model for this sandworm. Sure, we can't sure. tell you what planet it's on because they were all randomly generated by an algorithm.
0: I, I think you're right. And there's a lot of layers to this because a lot of people just bash No Man's Sky. <clears throat> uh, there's a lot of layers to it. <clears throat> for me personally, I bought the game. And what I have to say about No Man's Sky, because I've talked to people at the store about this, and people ask me if it's any good. I've had a couple used copies come through. I just took my copy and, <laughs> and sold it. Um, it actually hasn't sold yet. But it's sitting there just waiting for a good home. And what I tell people is that No Man's Sky is a great $20 indie game. It's a great $20 indie game that unfortunately they decided to charge 60 bucks for.
1: Oh, see, I didn't know it was $60. It was,
0: it's a $60 retail game, um, which originally wasn't their vision. I, and I don't, I don't have insider information on this. I mean, I read a lot of blogs, and I, but I have an understanding of how things work. So what I think happened was Sony looked at this game and was like, you guys have something really special here. We'll give you, and this this is known, Sony gave them a bunch of money as, as like a marketing push, whether they physically gave them the money and then they spent it on marketing or if Sony just said, hey, we're going to make this front and center PlayStation exclusive because Sony's always hunting after the next exclusive. You know, they want to show that they've got the games. That's like what they do. So I, they, they gave... Hello Games a big advertising push. Whether they gave them the money and they did it, or they paid for that, whatever it doesn't matter. So they, I believe, the caveat was that was this game has to make more money. You have to kick that back. You have to do this. So you have to make it a sixty dollars game. It it's not a sixty dollars game. There's not sixty dollars worth of content. There's like this goes back to a thing I created a long time ago in my head. When I talk to people about buying used games at the store, I'm like. Every game has a dollar value that it's worth buying for. So Mm -hmm. a lot, a game that's very heavily crapped upon is Duke Nukem Forever. Duke Nukem Forever is not a great game, but is that game worth $5? Will you get $5 of enjoyment (laughs) out of that game? Absolutely. If not for just the very beginning, when you pick up a basketball and you try to shoot it in the hoop a couple times and you miss all the time, and then when you get a trophy or an achievement for picking a turd out of the toilet. Wait, that... That's a real thing, yeah. Ew. Yeah, totally, totally weird and stupid. But you know what? It's funny. It makes you giggle a bunch in the beginning, and it's $5. And there are people who will come and be like, $5? I wouldn't pay $5 for that. And I'm like, okay, cool. I would. So there's games that I would pay a certain price to play. No Man's Sky, if I paid 20 bucks for that digitally, and I played it, and I was like, ugh, it's not really, you know, my initial thoughts were I did not enjoy it. I got a planet that was really dull and boring and then uh, it took forever to figure out and I had that glitch where like the it wouldn't tell me what to do to fix my ship and so I had all these other issues right away and I was really struggling trying to figure it out and but I got it figured out got my ship fixed you know and got to playing the actual core of the game and it was just kind of dull and boring but for 20 bucks I can I can accept that and I can accept when it's a 16-man team that worked their butts off for a couple years just trying to make it. I can appreciate that. We talked last week about that very, very horrible game that I made. So, like, I understand from their perspective, they're just trying to make it.
1: Well, right, and I'm not saying that that they that consumers weren't drastically overcharged because I think, as you said, sixty dollars is a lot of money for what I saw in gameplay. Mm-hmm. I I don't I think. PlayStation backed the wrong pony or Sony backed the wrong pony in the in this instance and thought that they were getting something different just like the consumers were., but I, actually,
0: I actually agree with that a little bit a little bit.
1: Now, I don't know who tested this. I don't know who gave them feedback. I don't know if what they provided to those people who were looking at the gameplay and the mechanics and the engine itself, if they gave them different versions of things, but going to a sparsely populated planet and then you go to the next one and it's a sparsely populated planet, I would have hoped that they could reinitiate that creation sequence. And put more crap on each planet to make everybody happy. Because that seems to be the number one beef with people. Is that there's not the amount of stuff that you see in the trailers on any planet that they've visited.
0: Right, and that's what I ran into. I I ran into empty planets. Like, I wasn't even running into... Like monsters or anything on planets. There were no creatures. there. Like like there were defense drones. If I started killing too many trees, like a little circular robot would fly by and like zap me with his laser and that was really annoying. So that happened a lot. Uh, so, yeah, but but again, I, I appreciate what the work they did. And I understand where they come from. I think what they did though is they had a great idea and then that idea launched them into a situation where they almost couldn't win. They overhyped the crap out of it and a lot of that's Sony's fault. So they overhyped the crap out of it and then, you know, it launched on PlayStation 4 on a Tuesday and it didn't launch on Steam until Friday of that same week. So when it came out on Tuesday, a lot of people had issues, a lot of people had questions and they were almost silent until the PC launch. It's almost like they were told, and this might even have been a, a Sony PR move, they might have told them Look, don't say anything. Like, keep it down. We, we got it. Just keep it. You know, hold on. I guess that wouldn't be a Sony thing because Sony's not making any money off the well, Steam sales. But, but there's
1: only 16 people and they're getting thousands of questions from people.
0: Well, right. But you think when your, your new game comes out, you're going to do a Reddit AMA. You're going to do... I mean, you're going to do a ton of stuff to promote that game the day it comes out. And there were questions that people had and anything that was negative, a lot of the negativity surrounding it got just ignored until the Steam version launched. Now, one really interesting thing that I pulled out of that article that we looked at for the no man's sky article about getting uh, investigated was they are something like under 1000 steam concurrent steam players at once. So the game that sold however many copies on steam now has less than a thousand people actively playing it. That's huge fallout. I mean, that's mm-hmm. huge falloff. I mean, that's, that's like unprecedented numbers of falloff for total user base. That's crazy. so, and again, the, I mean, is this? Is are they going to get in trouble for this? Probably not. It'll be something where like they have to change something to be to do it. They'll probably do it. They might change the description of the game. They might remove some pictures that are on their Steam store. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not even in the U.S. I mean, this is only going to be
1: in the UK. In the UK version,
0: as far as now. But if this is successful, you could see this moving forward in the U.S. And No Man's Sky is an interesting game because it. I was getting nervous about it every time it got delayed. I was like, what? What? And then near the end, I actually watched a video of someone during E3. And I wish I I'd have to find it, and I apologize I don't. I want to say it was from, gosh, I don't know where they were from. But they like there was one guy in a panel of three. They were doing I think it was GameSpot or something. And they were doing, and one guy was questioning it, and the other guys were basically just slamming him for trying to say that you know there's nothing going on in this game. Like what do you do? And he they kept slamming him, and you know he but he was right. He was basically saying they haven't showed us anything. They haven't told us what you do in the game. Like, I remember saying for the first year after they announced it, I was like, okay, I see that it's, it's you know, there's 14 qu- quintillion, quid z- it bajillion 15, planets?
1: Six to 18 quintillion and or something th- there's, like that. There's all
0: these planets, but what do you do? What's the hook? What's and, the gameplay mechanic?
1: And I think that was never answered, so I'm not entirely sure what people were expecting.
0: Right, but he was dodging it a lot. So, like, like, and he was, now, I mean, here, here's what I truly think about Shamari. The dude's really passionate, he worked really hard on this, and he wanted it to see, uh, succeed at all costs. He's got a little bit of that, and I don't know if you'll get this reference, but he's got a little bit of that Peter Molyneux in him. Which I believe that every time Peter Molyneux of Fable <laughs> fame, yes. every time he promised something, he legitimately wanted it to work. Sean Murray wanted all these things in the game, and he had them in the game at some point. I truly believe that. However, as things happen and things get cut and things aren't working, but what you got to do at that point, you got to own that. I, this is what we talked about last week. You know, I'm really big on personal responsibility. He's got to own that and say, "Look, you know, I hate to say, it, guys, but big sandworms—they didn't make it in, the, but we're gonna patch them in later." That's all you have to say. But <laughs> but the hype machine was going so full, and it was an, it was like the like the the hype machine was just slamming. It's like, well, I don't want to do anything that might crush our sales. But there comes a point where you have to be personally responsible, and he's responsible for all those people that bought that game under false assumption, which but I feel is fair.
1: But it's the number of planets that are able to be explored. You can't do... Like, one person cannot visit all of those planets. And True. Ju- for just as many planets that have squat on them, there's probably planets that have thousands of things on them. You just... You cannot... With this type of game and this number of places to explore and no storyline to bind you to anything. What, what were you? It's an exploration game. That's all I saw okay. it was ever supposed to be. No storyline, no big reveal, nothing. It was merely, hey, we created an engine, it created planets, go name stuff and have at it.
0: And if that's what he said it was, I'd be totally with you. But that's not what he said it was. And and I and I actually I'll give you all of that. So I'll give you all of that for for argument's sake. And then we'll move on to other things like where he's talking about how there's large epic scale battles. He 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 literally says in an interview, it's like, oh, can you can you meet up with other players? Yeah, can you grief other players? Like 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 camp them and kill them. So he's like he's like, mm, and he kind of smirks. So he's like, mm, you have to wait and see. Like like the way he was doing it was. He wasn't being... It's like when you say, you know, like, you don't have to tell the truth, but you're not lying if you don't tell the truth, if you don't say... Oh, sit, you I, know I, what I,
1: lie by omission? Yeah,
0: exactly. But that's kind of what he was doing. And so... And he's talking about how, well, in these battles, these huge space battles are going on, you can pick a side. You can battle. Yeah, along.
1: but where are you supposed to meet these people? Because there's quintillions of planets right, and everybody's on their own opposite side, you're never going to meet somebody.
0: The very first night the game was out, two streamers were on the exact same planet in the exact same location. And they could not see each other. The exact same planet. So either then, I... either their algorithm is false and they were two totally separate planets, but they even looked and they saw the same planet out from the land. Like this is mm-hmm. this is real. I'm not I'm not just trying to win an argument. Like <laughs> like this. I mean, th- this sort of stuff though is like this is legitimate issues. And then it came out, and then the day the game comes out, like Sean Murray's tweeting out, he's like, "If you bought this as a multiplayer experience, don't. It's not a multiplayer experience." But in interviews, in weeks before leading up to that, he's talking about how, like, oh, you can meet other players in the game and stuff like that, and you can you can grief them and you can kind of play with them and stuff. But here's so. the
1: funny thing that you, but you say you can't. that like I, we're gonna get back to that. He was on Stephen Colbert and talked about how it was unlikely for you to run into anybody.
0: Right. But he, but, then, so but that, then why doesn't he say that? And just, right, why it's is so that the conf- only thing he says?
1: It's so conflicting.
0: It's confusing, too, and it's almost like they did it on purpose. Like he, It's almost like he liked having this mysterious cloud around the game, and again, I don't think he did it maliciously. I don't think he was doing it so he could just be like, oh, man, we're going to get these guys, we're going to pull out, and we're going to get a bunch of money from these suckers. He wasn't doing that. But mm, I, don't, I almost don't like what he's doing here more. Because that, that's almost like sticking your head in the sand. But again, it's a really fun game for 15 or 20 bucks. And when it inevitably drops to that price, get it and enjoy it. It's a really chill, in his own words, like a chill space exploration game. It is that. And not every game has to be blowing stuff out of the sky. But he should have come out. What they should have done is he should have came out right away and said, "Look, We really want to have this thing where you can meet up with other players. It's just not ready yet. So we'll put it sure. in a free update later. You know, but he wasn't doing that. He was, he was leading everyone on because I think he was under the impression that, well, no one's going to be able to search all the planets. So, you know, I think he was kind of saying kind of what you're maybe saying. Maybe
1: we'll, maybe we'll patch it in later when we have availability, yeah. but up until that point, nobody will. Yeah.
0: I mean, until we get it, until we get it working, no one will know the difference anyway. And again, he didn't do it maliciously. I just think he did it because he was like, no, it's not a big deal to him. It wasn't a big deal. And then, you know, but when people are dropping 60 bucks. It is a big deal to them.
1: So. Well, and I and I agree with that. It is a lot of money. I think Sony backed them without really understanding what they were backing, mm-hmm. and I think it's Sony's fault because if Sony hadn't intervened, it probably would have been a twenty dollars game that you could download off of Valve. It,
0: it would have been. It it, it would have been. A, it would have been a twenty dollars downloadable game without a physical copy, probably. And then the... we
1: wouldn't be talking about any of yeah. this.
0: Yeah, or maybe we would, but I don't think so. I, I don't, like, at 20 bucks. I wouldn't be complaining. I'd be, like, really proud of them, what they pumped out. Sure. Th- that's what I'd be at for that price point. But.
1: They're like, look at this. They created an entire engine to to generate all these planets, and you can explore them, and it's yeah. really neat.
0: And it is neat, and that's a great idea, and I'm proud of what their team did still. I just think it was one of those, you know, fourth-quarter... You're on the one-yard line, you need six to score, and you just fumble it on the one-yard. Like, they were right there. They had all the things in place to make the perfect experience and to make that magical experience you want to. But I think that the marketing screwed it up. Like, how often do you hear that? Like, a a Uh game comes out and it's the marketing that screwed it up? And again, you know me, big on personal responsibility. Sure. We, as fans, we we hyped the crap out of this thing. I mean, people were being ridiculous about this game before it came out. I
1: just don't understand what people got stiff about.
0: Uh, well, because there was this mystery surrounding it. People love the drama, they love the mystery, and, and people were kind of like, well, you can go into space, you can do whatever you want, there's millions of planets, you can explore them, you can find secrets, you can do all this, but they're not interesting. And then there's this mystery at the center of the universe, which I won't spoil for you, and, and I won't spoil for any of the listeners, you can go watch a YouTube video if you want, there's a mystery at the center of the universe, which a lot of people were disappointed at the reveal of that. So, you know, it is if you really want to hear it, like... Um, I'm not a fan personally. You know, no offense to him. I, don't, you know, but Angry Joe did like a like his angry rant, and he talks about what's at the center of the universe, and he summed it up, you know, pretty well actually. So all,
1: all I'm saying is that wh- I watched several trailers in preparation for this, and I looked at each one of those trailers and, and said that that looks like fun, but I probably wouldn't play it for very long. Yeah, and, and that's exactly I what I I didn't did, see yeah. any big mystery. All I saw was just.
0: You saw me shooting trees and rocks.
1: Well, and getting frustrated because how do I get off this godforsaken planet? I can't fix my ship.
0: My, I can't find the one element I need to refill my ship. I have to blow up these little red plants that I have yet to find. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, it, it, it is what it is. No Man's Sky. It's going to go down in history as a game that a lot of people are going to remember very poorly, unfortunately, when Which it was is a neat really idea.
1: Sad. It is,
0: and, and I worry that the next game that they try to make will be heavily scrutinized. You know?
1: I definitely so. think... But they have several games under their belt already. I, this isn't their first rodeo. But they were an independent little game and, thing. And I can
0: And I can respect them trying to make it. You know? I, it just... You need to be honest and, and straight up with your customers, I think. And there's a right... As we always say, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And in my opinion, they just handled all of the marketing and all of the reveals and all that sort of stuff. which was just really poorly handled, but...
1: <clears throat> okay. Well, what time are we at right now? Okay.
0: So... Yeah, so let's take a look. But basically, there wasn't a lot of news this week, actually, right? So I'm going yeah. through, and I'm like actually struggling for topics. I'm glad that Konami kind of took a dump on Castlevania, so we had you know some time left over to do listener questions. Listener so we finally, you know, because once you have one episode, then you have listeners. Yay! <laughs> and then when you get listeners, they sometimes ask you questions, uh, albeit sometimes through me asking through Facebook. But either way, we get questions. So, what's the first question? All right. Now these questions like these are questions basically people ask me, but you can ask Jen questions too yeah. through the Facebook page uh, for Game Talk Radio or through Game Trades uh, Facebook page you can ask them there too. And I mean I'll read them, but you can ask Jen questions as well, but all these questions were essentially aimed at me, so haha. In Aww. your face.
1: Okay, we have a question uh, from Nate. Nate asked, do you think the Nintendo Wii U and the Sega Saturn are similar in how the companies handled the failed support for those consoles?
0: Yes. I guess you can make parallels. I would say that Sega held on with the Saturn a lot longer and that Nintendo threw in the towel a lot sooner with the Wii U. Uh, I think both companies were very reactive to the market at the time so sega saw the playstation coming and they thought to themselves wow we got to do something about this so they had this big reveal where at e3 which was you know about six months before the system was supposed to launch they came out with a shocking surprise that oh by the way we're sending them to retailers right now you can get the game right now you can get a saturn and even retailers were like, what? <laughs> what? You can get right now, you telling me? Hey, Okay, so so they go get this, and they release with like two games or whatever it was that were available because they were originally planning on having the game six months later with more games and stuff, the mm-hmm. system six months later. So I think uh, Sega botched that launch way worse, but they were reactive to Sony. They weren't doing what they always did, which was trying to change the game you know sega in the 16-bit era really tried to they attacked nintendo they went after them they were doing creative things marketing wise they were trying to undercut them at all things well with the saturn they were just reacting to the playstation coming out you know and then so they wanted to get to market first they reveal the price first and then sony comes on oh we're 100 bucks cheaper by the way (laughs) And, and and we're you know, a better machine. <laughs> so, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, bye.
1: And we don't have stupid cartridges.
0: So, with, but the same thing then, uh, Nintendo with the Wii U was also reacting because they had essentially an underpowered system with the Wii compared to the PS3 and 360. So then they're like, you know what the next system we're going to do? We want it to be HD. We'll have HDMI out. We'll do all stuff with it. And we're going to beat the other ones to market. So they essentially made... A PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 killer the year before the PS4 and the Xbox One came out. So it, it was just a miss. Like, they, they just didn't shoot high enough. They, mm-hmm. sh- they should have waited one more year, y- you know, got a little bit better technology. But even with that, a system won't live if you don't sustain and you don't try to make it work. And Nintendo put very little effort into the Wii U. I mean, so little effort, it's almost... It's almost like Nate actually cuz me and Nate were chatting a little bit about this. Um Nate's uh, you know, full disclosure Nate's a friend of mine. Um and he asked me what? this question. I know. oh, it's Nate gate.
1: It's Nate gate.
0: It's Nate gate. Um so uh scandals. So, you know, we were talking a little bit about it and he just kind of said that he couldn't you know like like is this really like possible that they, you know, it was almost like they just threw it out as a thing for Christmas. Like, we don't have anything coming out, so let's just release it. And I kind of don't want to agree with that, but I kind of can't say it's not possible. It's how I feel about the Nintendo Mini this year. I look at it like Nintendo had nothing to offer this Christmas, and they've always had this in their back pocket, and we're finally saying to themselves, well, we got nothing coming out. Let's do it. (laughs) So I I do think there's a lot of parallels there. I, I would also say that let's go ahead and throw the Dreamcast in there, because the Dreamcast was another system that was really cool but Sega couldn't hold on they had to make a decision you know Sega had to make a decision that was do we cut our losses now and save the company or do we try to ride this out and hopefully we make more money on the Dreamcast so they did what was best for the company at the time uh which with the Saturn they technically weren't in that kind of dire straits yet so they didn't need to do that but yeah but that's what I think I think there's some real parallels and I think you could also throw the PlayStation Vita in there as well where Sony, after like two years, started calling it a legacy device, like it was an ancient piece of hardware. (laughs) Just like, oh, it's a legacy device. Wait, what? The PS3 is a legacy device when the PS4 comes out, and the PS2 is a legacy device, not the... Okay. But yeah, so that's, that's my take on that. That's a good question, Nate. Thank you. I appreciate the question.
1: Okay. Our next question is from Michael. This is related to No Man's Sky. With No Man's Sky doing refunds on PC and PS4 even after the allowed time for hours played, do you think this will affect future games' abilities to get refunded?
0: So to to give some more detail on that, so Steam has a return policy for digital stuff, and you can return it if you're under a certain amount of hours played on the game. So it's kind of a neat way of doing it. So it's not based on like, oh, you have seven days, because you could play 400, 400 hours in seven days. No, you can't because there's not that many hours in seven no. days. But you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you can play 100 hours in seven math days. Math hard. <laughs> hey, I'm the science guy, not the math guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> and uh, So, do I think it's going to change anything? Uh, no, because No Man's Sky was a special case. It had a lot of press. A lot of people bought it. It was all over the blogs. They had to do it. If it's a crappier game that's not as popular and there's only... Because Steam's really doing it to satisfy their customer they're not doing it to like protect hello games or anything they're just doing it because if you have say they sold a hundred thousand copies which i don't even know if that's close to right say they sold a hundred thousand copies and fifty thousand people want a refund you don't want to piss off fifty thousand people right but if a really bad game is made and a thousand people buy it and a hundred people want refunds you're like well hundred mad people but what are we going to do? You know, And so I don't think that's going to set a precedent at all, actually. I don't think we're going to see it happening unless it's on a larger scale. So if another huge game comes out and it's the same sort of thing, I could see it happening again, but it won't be like... I don't think we're opening the door or uh, sliding down a slippery slope or anything like that.
1: I would tend to agree. It's just... it Because of the nature of the game itself, it takes people a long time to realize huh, I don't think I like this game, than would normally happen with a, with an, a different type of game.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it's it's a good policy too because sometimes people want to keep the game, but then they say, oh, I just don't have the money for it. I shouldn't have spent that money. And that happens a lot. I, I get that a lot, actually, at the store. So... You know, and I, and I can relate to that. So it's neat that there's at least something out there. Because if you buy a game, now there are some games that are short, though. And if you can beat a game, like we played Her Story, mm-hmm. could you imagine how we played that for two hours and then we beat the whole thing? <laughs> and then I'm just like, hey, Steve, uh, hey, Valve, I'd like a refund, please. And right. I get my money back on a game that I fully completed. <laughs> that
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. It, it's like eating a sand, I read an article, I can't remember where it was, it was actually earlier today and I have since closed the window, but they were talking about No Man's Sky and it's, it's not like you went to a restaurant and you ordered a BLT and you got a BLT but you ate almost all of it. and you want to send it back and get a refund it's you got a blt and it was soggy bread with lettuce and bacon grease yeah and you eat a couple bites and you're like this just isn't doing it for me
0: like you get the steak that's undercooked so you eat half of it so when you get it replaced you get you get a steak and a half out of the deal it
1: it was i thought that was a really good analogy for i like that for what people thought they were going to get and what they actually received and you can't you can't treat it the same just because of the way that the game is actually played it it's because it's an exploration yeah. game.
0: Yeah. I agree. That's I think refunds are good, but I don't think that uh, No Man's Sky will affect future refunds for other titles.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh this question is from Ben. Do you think considering the releases of the PS4 for Pro and the Xbox One Scorpio, that the Nintendo NX is a do-or-die in the console wars. And if so, what does Nintendo need to do to stay a contender in the gaming industry?
0: Hmm, I don't think it's do-or-die, but I think it could be the last attempt at a console, if that's what it is. It could be their last attempt at a console if this doesn't go as well as they want it to. Because their handhelds have always been successful, Nintendo's a company that always cares more about the Japanese market first, and then the U.S. market second. So, and the U- and the Japanese market is turning to more mobile gaming and to more. Uh, they've always been more of a handheld, as they have you know, their houses are smaller, like their living spaces are smaller. They do a lot of public transportation, so in Japan, a lot of uh, handheld do very very well there. They're bigger than they are here, so. I don't think it's do or die for them as a company. Nintendo will always find a way. N- Nintendo could live off their franchise. I mean, worst case scenario for Nintendo, they do the, they go the route of Sega and they go to um, game publishing only. They license out their properties. So you see like Mario on the PlayStation and Sony pays a buttload of money to get their characters in their system. And then they survive as like a third party publishing company, you know, similar to a Capcom or a, an Activision Blizzard or whatever. But uh, best case scenario, this hybrid, which let's just, just safely assume that it's the hybrid we all think it's going to oh, be. Sure. So it's a home console that might just have a dock that goes at home. Which so it may not even be a home console, just a portable console that plugs into your TV. I think they'll be fine. And th- their software library, their software library is always what's kept them alive. And they're just, to be frank, they're ridiculously loyal fan, uh, you know, fans that that kind of put up with everything. That'll carry them on, I think, for a very long time, but we might be seeing the end with things like the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One Scorpio, we might be seeing the end of consoles coming up anyway, because you start to see stuff like where they want to do .5 consoles, they call it, so it's the PlayStation 4.5, and the Xbox, I guess, 1.5 because Microsoft's <laughs> naming sucks and so so
1: i never understood the xbox now it's the xbox one it,
0: the xbox one was just made because it was like the one device to control your home it's it's like
1: ugh. the one ring of sarum i mean so when
0: people call and they say hey do you have any xboxes i'm like well what would you like an xbox an xbox 360 or an xbox one and then you just hear dead silence on the phone <laughs> like well it's really confusing waka waka so it's like the wii and the wii u though it's the same thing
1: just, just
0: put a number on it. So, I don't think it's do or die, but Nintendo is, they're coming to a crossroad where they're going to have to change their dynamic as a company, how this works. Because the Wii, I mean, the Wii made them a buttload of money. This Just truckloads were delivered. <laughs> like like gold doubloons <laughs> in the back of these massive... Gold
1: cougarans.
0: These massive cement mixers just dropped off... <laughs> Tons of gold doubloons. But the Wii sold a ton. So they have money. They have all that stuff. They're going to be successful in whatever they decide to do. But they, I could see them getting out of the console market, but I don't think they'll ever get out of the handheld market because Sony's already backed out of it. Sony's already said, well, the Vita's going to be our last attempt at a handheld because we've tried two now and neither one was overly successful, in their opinion.
1: I never had any interest in anything other than Nintendo's.
0: Uh Yeah, well, what's sad is, in my opinion, the Vita is the best handheld system that's ever been made. Dual analog sticks, a beautiful OLED screen on the original ones and LCD later. It's It's got all the buttons you'd want. It does everything you want it to do. It's great. Battery life kind of sucks, but whatever. But it doesn't have the games. And mm-hmm. that's what makes a system. It doesn't matter if, you know... If you're more powerful, it's always been proven that that's incorrect. You know, the PlayStation 3 when it first came out was more powerful than 360. It didn't matter. 360 was killing it with the games. When the original Xbox came out, that was more powerful. I think technically it was more powerful than the GameCube. I'm pretty sure. And they were both more powerful than the PS2. And the PS2 just slapped them around because it had the better games, it right?
1: Had, it, and it, ha- it, it still has a ridiculous amount of games. It still has
0: probably the best. I think the PlayStation 2 will go down is like the best library of games ever. PS1 and PS2 will. God, but...
1: so many PlayStation 2 <laughs>
0: games. So, look behind us at how many PS2 games they have. Holy like,
1: crap. <laughs> I never just... looked at that.
0: Yeah, it's... and it's only going to get bigger.
1: Some of my favorite games are on the PlayStation 2.
0: PlayStation 2 is excellent, especially for Japanese RPGs and, and other good stuff. But yeah, so uh, that's a great question though, Ben. Thanks. And uh, long live Metal Dungeon. So... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> ben will get it. Okay, well that's good. That inside
0: joke was for you, Ben. Oh. So you better listen to the podcast now, or I'm gonna look like a jerk.
1: Yeah. Our last question is from Justin. What's the best Resident Evil game in the series, in your opinion? In Rick? my,
0: ooh, okay. So in my opinion, oh Resident Evil, it it would be a toss up between the remake of Resident Evil for the GameCube, which was just the first one but redone with better graphics, which is just fantastic or it would be the PS4 version of the remake of the GameCube one <laughs> because <laughs> they added analog controls so oh. cuz have you ever played Resident Evil game before?
1: I don't really like scary games.
0: Okay. Well, so Resident Evil So no. <laughs> they have they have what we call tank controls. Which means every time to move forward you always press up. To oh. move, to turn left to right you hit left to right and then you hold up to go forward. Oh. Like a tank. tank. Yeah. You have a okay. throttle. So, so tank controls. Uh, so there's different eras of Resident Evil, though. The first three Resident Evil games, and then Code Veronica, so the first four, were what we call tank controls. But they were actually really tightly well-made games. And now you play it with full analog support, and you're like, man, tank controls are kind of old and busted. But it was good at the time. So in the time, I'd have to say, like in the of the original ones, I'd probably say Resident Evil 3 or 2 was probably the best one. But then you go into the new era, which is, like, the fully 3D over-the-shoulder camera versions, like Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6. And Resident Evil 4 is a masterpiece. Like, Resident Evil 4 on the GameCube from start to finish is a kick-butt experience. Like, it is just, it's it's paced super well. It's got its ups and downs in the story. There's exploration. There's legitimately horrifying scenes. But then there's tons of action to keep you going. So it's really, really good. Um and so I would say that, but but if I had to pick one that would just beat them all, I would have to say uh, across all Resident Evil games would be the Resident Evil remake that they ported to PS4. So it's the GameCube version, but when they brought it to PS4, they made it so you can run around with your analog stick just in full
1: mm-hmm. 3D.
0: And unfortunately, it kind of breaks that game because it was originally meant to be played with really kind of stiff controls. And here yeah. you're able to like, uh, you know, super juke zombies and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that, that's what I would say. The PS4 version of the, The PS4 port of the GameCube remake of the original Resident Evil. Oof.
1: Uh, There is a follow-up question that's unrelated, also from Justin, of what is your favorite Metal Gear villain?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, well, okay, so, you know, duh, I love Metal Gear, duh, as we look at all the statues and stuff in here. So, that's tough, but I think I would have to say Liquid Snake. So oh. Liquid Liquid Snake is the, uh, he's the villain of the first Metal Gear Solid, which, now these are games I need to play for you. We, we need to play through. Because but I are, know the
1: whole storyline.
0: Like we talked about last week where we, we had our great car ride. But when you see them, you know, in person, it's just, the story's so well, told so well mm-hmm. in those games. And I'd love to play through them again anyway. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that as a Let's Play sometime. Probably not, but maybe. And... So what I like the most about Liquid is he essentially grew up... When he was growing up, he knew he was... There, there's going to be some minor spoilers in here, but if you haven't played Metal Gear Solid yet, then it's your fault. So, so in Metal Gear Solid, uh, Liquid and Solid end up being clones of Big Boss. So we know that. And Liquid is... He he grew up and he found out at an early age that he was a clone. So he always felt like he had something to prove like his whole life. So he's constantly... You know, I can be better than Big Boss. I'm, I'm the superior. And he was, he was told growing up that he was that there were of the two clones that were made, one was u- made using superior genes, and one was made using inferior genes, and that basically he was made using inferior genes to make a better clone out of Solid Snake. So that, that's the idea. So he he grows up with his chip on his shoulder. He feels like there's this other guy who is the better version of him. All mm-hmm. this other sort of stuff. The dominant gene. It's not not you know dominant genes and. You know, whatever. So he, he kind of lives his whole life that way. He's very angry, very upset, always trying to prove himself. And one of the big revelations in Metal Gear Solid 1 uh, that you find out uh, near the end, and, and like Liquid doesn't... I don't believe Liquid lives to see this. I'd have to play it again or double-check the story, but you find out that it's actually the exact opposite. Liquid was the dominant, superior gene <laughs> the entire time, and Solid was the inferior. He was the one who was kind of made as like the... Well, they took the best stuff and gave it to the other guy. It's like twins. It, it, yeah, like an extreme version of twins. Anyone gets that movie reference. <laughs> if you do, we'll be best friends forever, we'll go bowling. And yeah. so So it's really neat though because what I love about that is that it it made him first of all a really realistic character, but then two, it really shows like this that there's something I really like, like a theme in movies and, and games that's like your true strength comes from within. So I don't want to be strange to be like oh it's your soul and your but but like I guess your fighting spirit like whatever it has that that that's in you you know that you can do things that what what is it that pushes you to be better. And so I like the fact that while being physically inferior Solid Snake was superior through his spirit, you know, through his fighting whatever he's got, you know. So Liquid was a great villain because he was very believable and he had you know, he had good intentions like like a lot of them do in that series, but you know, show a poor way to handle it. You know? mm-hmm. And that was your little bit of Metal Gear uh, trivia today, your mm-hmm. little Metal Gear history. Mm-hmm. Which, fun little idea, uh, Jared and I always tossed around doing like a Metal Gear docu- documentary drama kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Probably won't ever do it, but it'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> uh, is that it? Is that what we got for this week?
1: That's questions? all the questions okay. other than the one I had at the end of last week's episode.
0: Oh, I almost forgot about that.
1: So, if you don't have the answer, we can.
0: Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: What is the Paul Rudd of video (laughs)
0: games? So, last week, Jen asked me since Paul Rudd is often believed to be
1: the most likable person ever. The most likable person
0: ever. People don't typically look at Paul Rudd and be like, what a jerk. I hate
1: that guy. They typically look at Paul Rudd.
0: So then, then Jen asked me, what is the Paul Rudd of video games? And I guess if I had to say, and this is going to sound so generic, but I was thinking about this. It'd have to be like the original Mario Brothers. Like, like people don't hate the original Mario Brothers. Like, nobody hates that game. Everybody loves that game. And you can argue about Mario 2 being like, it's Doki Doki Panic, and, and, and it's not as good, and then Mario 3, it's like, well, it, it was too busy, they made it, too, it was too complicated. Not that I've ever heard anybody ever say that. Mario 3 is the best Mario game ever made, but, to me, but uh, but Mario One—it's that game that like nobody hates. I've never had anybody come into the store and say like, "Oh, Mario One, what a stinker!" Like, <laughs> no, nope, nobody does that. Everyone has such fond memories of it. So I guess, mm-hmm. and I would like to say the Mario franchise in general, but the Mario franchise gets a lot of hate now because it you know, they've had some games that are very repetitive and, and, you know, they lost the magic of the originals. So, if I, if I had to guess, but I, I might come back to that question later. Now, maybe the next question or the better question for next week is what is one of the most polarizing games mm. out there? Like, what mm-hmm. what game either you love it or you hate it, you know?
1: I have an answer for the Paul Rudd video games. Okay. And what's Ooh, funny like to hear it. is that it's actually in the Mario franchise.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: Hit <laughs> me with it. Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Okay. I it, have never heard somebody say something bad against that game. Because it's fun.
0: It is fun. It's great. It's very, very good. And it was the last good Paper Mario. In my opinion. That was that was probably really harsh. Was it really negative? Was a, that harsh? A little bit, yeah. You can tell it's getting late and I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm starting to sass, you know? Sassy. I'm sassing. I'm just going to sass you real good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, well, first of all, again, thank you everybody. Thank you. For listening, and you can uh, like us on Facebook and send us questions there. Or if you're on the Game Trade Wall, feel free to shoot us private messages, or you can just post on our wall and, and give us questions there as well. Because every week we're going to have uh more listener questions. I have more already banked that we didn't use nice. today, so that's great. I love it, and I love having more to use whenever we want. And that's really great. And as always, we really appreciate everything. And if you guys, you know, hopefully you reach out to us, and and it'll be great. We had a lot of fun doing it, and thanks for watching. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. And game on.